Hey, marketing today has gotten harder. There's so many new platforms. How do you reach the right audience? Fortunately, there's a simple way. LinkedIn can help you speak with the right professionals at the right time. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Alex Kantrowitz. He is a senior tech reporter for BuzzFeed and also the author of a book we're going to talk about today called Always Day One, How the Tech Titan, How the Tech Titans Plan to Stay on Top Forever. So Alex, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, John. I appreciate the opportunity. So let's uh, let's unpack a couple things in the title. First off, um, what, what's the concept of day one? I, I know you cover that in the book, but uh, maybe many folks probably aren't familiar with that idea. That's right. Um, so I, I want to say that I'm coming to your listeners with a message that I believe is fairly urgent. Um, as a tech reporter in Silicon Valley, the number one question I get is, why are Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft so dominant? And we've gone through the last few years where people have simply said they're too big and they want outsiders to help beat them. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing they can do. And I want to uh, tell people out there that's incorrect, um, that what's enabled these companies to succeed the way they have is a completely new way of working. And that's the message I'm here to share is I want people to understand that the way that they're operating is antiquated, most likely that our work world right now is stuck in sort of systems built off of the industrial economy that have been transformed for the 1970s and sort of stayed there. And at the core of that is this idea of day one. Um, and what that means is that um, the tech giants have found a way to continually reinvent themselves, right? So most companies, the way that they structure work is they operate in cultures of refinement. They built one product, one business, and do whatever they can to defend it. That's all they do. They defend their products and their entire work structure is built to defend these products. The tech giants. And so so the tech giants, what they say is, you know, it's always day one inside these companies, which means that any legacy products, anything they've done up until this point is meaningless. And they need to build systems inside their companies to incentivize constant invention, which means that if there's a product that's got them to a certain point, it's time to re, you know, to build the next thing without worrying about how uh, that first thing is performing. Whether your your new product will cannibalize what your current product is doing is irrelevant. And in order to do that, they've reimagined what the workday looks like. They've reimagined what it's like to lead a company. They've reimagined what it's like to run a company and build a culture. And this is something that I think, if the general public gets an understanding of how this works we'll all have a much better chance of beating the tech giants as opposed to saying, oh, it's over. Like the idea of being so defeatist and saying Facebook owns social media for good and Google owns search for good and Amazon owns commerce and, and, and cloud hosting for good. To me, you know, having been there, having been inside of Silicon Valley and watching these companies uh, grow is ludicrous because I, tell, I can tell you that there are certain things that, that are going to change in the work world and they just have a head start, and it's time for the rest of us to catch up. Would you – We, you and I were recording this uh, middle of April 2020. A lot of people know that we're in kind of a chaotic period with the global health challenge. Would you say that there's anything that they are doing or that we can learn particularly, especially since you have Stay on Top Forever? <laughs> is, mm -hmm. uh, is there anything that those companies you think are doing or, or particularly suited to do uh, when – you know, a lot of other folks are looking around saying, how do I pivot? 
Yes, remember that the subtitle is how they plan to stay on top forever, not how they will stay on top forever. So if people yeah. want to be defeatist, don't buy the book. But if you want to know the plan and help and find your way to beat them, then I think it might be a good idea to check it out. Okay, so what are they doing differently? I mean, they are, and you asked about pivoting. That's a good entry point into this. And let's get into the way that they structure work. They are using technology to help cut out a lot of the work that people do to support their existing products to enable them to turn on a dime and end up building something new. So in the book, I look at two different types of work, right? And I really think we need to look at work in two ways. One is execution work, and that's anything that exists to support a current product, right? So that's closing the books and filling out forms and, you know, doing all that routine support work. Um, the other work uh, is idea work, anything that's involved with coming up with a new idea and bringing it to life. And what the tech giants are so good at and what's coming to every workplace in the world that will survive in this new age is minimizing execution work, finding systems to take that execution work and make it less of a part of people's days and maximizing the time for ideal work, you know, making sure that their employees are spending their time thinking up new ideas and then finding a way to bring them to life. And that's what's enabled them to reinvent themselves over and over again. You know, Amazon has a building called reinvent one of its main buildings its second building is called day one it's weird right why do we have a company that's so successful thinking about reinventing itself usually right the word pivot connotes a company that's lost its way and needs to desperately change in order to find a way to do something else and so i do think that they've been able to change the way that they work so that's enabled them to turn on a dime and that's why we've seen amazon go from an online bookstore to an online seller of just about everything, to a third-party marketplace, to a massive logistics and fulfillment business, to a cloud services business, a voice computing platform, a pretty impressive hardware developer, not to mention a grocery store operator and a movie studio that's won Academy Awards. So right now, every business is in this position where it needs to change, right? Because especially in the age of COVID, we don't know how long this is going to go, but this is a shock to the system. Right. And most businesses that were going to work on defending their current product until they went out of business. Now they really need to learn these muscles to reinvent. So we're going to start to see companies, whether it's refining processes to minimize execution work or employing this technology or just reimagining what they do altogether. They're all going to look so much more like the tech giants. And I honestly think that already we're starting to see some incredibly promising signs of companies that are doing this. I mean, one prominent example that I've seen in the news is Airbnb. They used to have, first of all, Airbnb, like the whole housing thing is, is going to be put on pause. But they also built this new line of businesses called Experiences, which was a sort of a day one attitude. What else can we do? Uh, now, Experiences, of course, you can't do anything in person. So you'd imagine that whole business is gone. But now they're starting to do Experiences via video conference. They set up pretty, pretty quickly. So you can tour Chernobyl and hang out with goats on, with, you know, with Airbnb. Now, you know, it's not just Airbnb. I have a friend who I was speaking with. He provides, he works with independent artists to provide artwork for hotels and office spaces. Well, we're not going to be in offices for a while, and we're certainly not going to spend time in hotels. So he's had to reinvent. And now he's working with independent artists to put grocery store signage up. So we have all these pretty depressing keep six feet uh, away from each other's signs anytime you go shop in a grocery store. And he's worked with these artists to totally reinvent his business. And now they've built beautiful signs that they can put in grocery stores that tell people to keep six feet away. The one last example. I just heard this last night. It's amazing. There is a furniture store in Ireland. No, sorry. There's a store in Ireland that, or a shop in Ireland that builds stages for performances. 
all these performances are on pause for a, for a long time. Yeah. Now they're building desks for people that work at home. So this is the yeah. message. Get stuck on the existing product, you're toast. Learn how to reinvent, then you can play to, plan to stay on top forever and not let the tech giants you know, have all the fun. But as long as we cede this territory to the tech giants and approach the business world with this defeatist attitude, oh, I can't beat the tech giants. Oh, I can't transform in this time because my current business isn't finding a way. That's a great way to lose. Uh, but if you think about ways to reinvent, you embrace the systems, then you're going to have an opportunity to, to hold your ground and, and grow, even in the most challenging of times. And those few examples show how. Yeah. So, so obviously a big part of what some of the tech giants are really tapping into is AI and, and various forms of automation to get rid of the, the, the technical job, so to speak. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of people still think of AI and still think of robotics and things as building cars. And it's really, uh, it's really here to re replace a lot of the traditional white collar jobs, isn't it? I don't want to say replace. Um, I think that uh, a company that looks at replacing jobs with automation is on the fast track to becoming irrelevant because, and, and I hear this all the time, we're going to use automation to replace jobs. We're going to use automation to become more efficient. To me, that's nuts. Because when you look at the companies at the top of the economy, the very top, they never say that. It's never about full-time employee reduction for Amazon. What it is about is again, this new way of working. How do we take our current businesses, use technology to support them or make them more efficient, if you will, and then find a way to put our employees on things that are going to help us reinvent our business or invent new products? I'm going to give you two examples. The first example is uh, inside Amazon, there was a man named Dilip Kumar. He ran pricing and promotions for the company, right, on the retail side. He's doing a great job of this. He goes to uh, spend time as an understudy for Jeff Bezos for a couple of years. While he's studying under Bezos, Amazon rolls out this program called Hands Off the Wheel, which automates large portions of the retail organization. Everything from pricing and promotions, inventory management, uh, even negotiation is starting to be held by machines. So what does Bezos do? Does he tell this guy, Dilip, to say, hey, thank you for your service. We don't need you on pricing and promotions anymore. No. He said, why don't you go and see if there's a way where you can use technology to solve one of the most annoying things about shopping in real life. Go ahead, figure it out. So they say, okay, well, checkout is the most annoying thing. Why don't we build a big vending machine that you go and you don't have to check out and you just type what you want and it will bring it to you like on a conveyor belt. Okay, they nix that idea. What they end up saying is let's build a store, a regular grocery store, no checkout at all, no scanning, none of that. All you do is scan in with an app, grab what you want and walk out. And that's what ended up being Amazon Go. So it's actually taking AI, automating tasks, and then making room for invention. And by the way, Amazon Go is going to be the future of, re of grocery for Amazon. No question about that. It's already expanding in itself. They're building larger stores. And I, I wouldn't be uh, uh, surprised if they license it out to others, if, assuming it's not a big enough competitive advantage to help them put everybody else out of business. So again, this yeah. is something people need to pay attention to. One more example. Um, inside... Microsoft, you know, everyone says, why did Microsoft turn around, right? It's a big mystery. Well, the answer is certainly not acquiring companies. I mean, Microsoft has uh, given us an example of why being big and throwing money around isn't going to work. They spent billions of dollars on companies like Aquaniv and Nokia and Skype and gotten nothing in return. Okay, maybe Skype is fine, but everything else is uh, pretty, pretty subpar. The way Microsoft's been able to turn itself around is, again, transforming the way it worked. 
um, it, it needed to approach its customers with empathy, see what's going on in their lives. So it could build cu- software that customers want, not software that they have to use because Microsoft made it, which was long the way that Microsoft operated. So what did they do? It's not like it came out of thin air. They said, we need to change the way we engage our customers. So anybody who's been in sales and anybody who's been in marketing supporting them knows what it's like. And I know I've done it. It's terrible. You comb through a customer relationship management tool and, you know, kind of uh, pick straws out of a bucket and say, okay, well, is this straw going to, you know, am I going to use it to find water today? Right? You're, you're guessing and combing through and you spend your whole day. And then by the time you get to the customer, you're exhausted. And the last thing you want to do is have that call. And that's why salespeople are often pretty terrible. Um, it's not because they're bad. It's because they're exhausted by doing all this execu- this execution work. And a salesperson, by the way, is never going to, very rarely will ask a customer, hey, what else can we build, right? Because they're so, by the time they're out of breath selling their, their thing, they're, they're done. So what Microsoft did was it used machine learning to uh, figure out who the customers are that the salespeople should be calling. Uh, taking the data across the whole company and saying, this person is probably right for this type of call. This person is probably right for this type of call. And then they started spending much less time on the execution work, much more time talking to customers who, by the way, are the people using the product. Um, The customers would tell them, hey, we want this or that in in the product. And Microsoft used that to invent. They built a system they called OneList, where salespeople would suggest different products, and it was all aggregated in a central function and helped Microsoft build products people actually wanted to use. And that's a big part of why Microsoft right now uh, is um, is doing well, not because it automated and fired at salespeople's jobs, but because it took the tasks, minimized execution work, and rebuilt the way that they function to make the company inventive. And that's why people like to use Microsoft products again. So I think everybody yeah. can learn this stuff. I would suggest Adobe probably did that uh, um, as as well. I mean, in terms of reinventing, you know, kind of they were they were in that same, you know, box software mentality that uh, that certainly completely changed. Absolutely. Did you know there are over sixty two million decision makers on LinkedIn? Yeah, and even small and medium sized businesses are making the most out of LinkedIn ads. They're using LinkedIn to get their voices heard and their messages to resonate with the audience. And it's not just about awareness either. LinkedIn ads are driving traffic and engagement. If you want to check it out, try for yourself. LinkedIn is offering a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit to launch your first campaign. Simply visit linkedin.com slash duct tape, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E. That's linkedin.com slash duct duct tape. So there's some terms and conditions that may apply, but I urge you to go check it out for yourself. So so I'm curious, you did a lot of inter- interviews, maybe specifically for this book or in your role as a journalist. Um, uh, were, were there a few that uh, that you would kind of say, hey, uh, the, these were really fun interviews to do? Yeah. Uh, I mean, meeting Mark Zuckerberg was interesting. I met him three times, um, but I got a chance to speak with him at the very end of the process. And um, I had been asking sources about him. Hey, what was it like to speak with him on this project? What was it like to speak with him on that product? Usually that's the, where the story ends. But I got to yeah. go to sit down with him and I said, hey, Mark, you know, what do you think about what this guy said about the way that you acted on this certain thing? So it was very interesting kind of having Mark in dialogue with the people that I was speaking with. So that was mm-hmm. pretty neat. Um, yeah. Steve, Steve Wozniak was another cool interview. 
Um, you know, I cold emailed him. He said, uh, probably not the right fit. Have a good, you know, good luck with your book. And then I replied to him again, hey, Steve, you know, maybe this is actually applicable to you. And then he replies, okay, next thing we need to do is find a time and a place. So I show up at this diner. I'm a half hour early. I'm like, I wonder if this dude's going to come in. And the next thing I know, Wozniak walks in with his wife and business partner. And I was like, oh, I got us a table. He goes, no, let's go sit in the back. You know, obviously he's a regular at this place. And uh, we got to speak about the future of Apple and sort of his criticisms of the company and how he believes the company can get better. The last one, if I have time for one more, or are we rolling? Okay, last one I'll say, Susan Athey. Many people uh, might know her. She's a a pretty famous economist. Um, She's at Stanford University. Um, She used to be the chief economist for Microsoft. Um, And she was in the room when Microsoft was saying, hey, do we milk the Windows asset for all we can until it goes down to zero? And that's sort of our business. Or do we invent for the future? And Athey was able to take me through this dialogue inside Microsoft, where it's literally like, for instance, if Microsoft builds for cloud computing, that makes Windows, uh, 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 you know, a commodity because people can use programs on Windows or Apple or even a Chromebook if the cloud computing works. So Microsoft had to have all these internal debates. I spoke with Athey on the ninth month of working through in this project. And I think only after I walked out of her office did all this click, because then I said, oh, yes, always day one. You know, you can be day two, trying to milk the asset or live in a day one world and, and build for the future state. And when Microsoft finally did that, it said, we're going to change our strategy. And then underneath it, the most important part, change the culture. When it was able to do that, that's when it went from the doldrums to uh, king of industry again. So are there any tech titans or or perceived tech titans that you think have lost their way you mentioned apple for example um you know there's some people that think perhaps they've lost their way yes i'm the least bullish on apple and i'll tell you why um apple has a culture that that uh and workplace processes um that are pretty good for the 80s and 90s they're built for a visionary like a place where someone hands edicts uh from the top and everybody else executes right that's just an old, a lot of people who work today would recognize Apple's culture, right? It's tough. It's tough. I asked an Apple product manager, how do you get ideas to management? She left. <laughs> she left <laughs> because it would never happen inside Apple. Um, and how, how do ideas cross pollinate? Doesn't happen. I spoke with a member of the original Siri team who said Apple put them in a room. You need three badges to enter. So there's no cross pollination of ideas. Doesn't allow you to reinvent. Um, so what I think we're seeing right now, is that Apple has been very good at refining its flagship product, the iPhone. So it will do pretty well, right? As long as it's, you know, uh, building this iPhone. I'm not saying Apple's going to fall apart anytime soon, but I am saying that there's going to be a shift that's going to kick that company in the face and it's not going to be prepared for it. The same way Windows wasn't prepared for the shift from a desktop operating system to mobile and not only mobile, but voice and is still trying to catch up. So I believe that Apple needs to reinvent its culture in a way uh, that's more in line with the others, where ideas cross-pollinate, where technology is used to remove execution work. You know, we have this one excerpt that we release that people can read on BuzzFeed that talks about the, the division inside Apple that's tasked with building internal technology. Inside the other companies, the, the, the divisions building internal technology are heralded because everybody knows that by minimizing execution work, they'll be able to invent more. Not the case in Apple. It's a Game of Thrones nightmare, according to people that have interacted with it. I urge people to check out the story. And unless Apple gets that cleaned up, there's going to be a moment in time. I don't know if it's one year, two years or five years from now 
that it's really going to end up costing that company in a big way. So let's finish up on Google. Google is uh, certainly heralded as one of these companies that uh, plans to stay on top forever, but they're also making some headlines with some um, internal strife and some employee strikes and things along those lines. Is that the nature of the beast when you are this flexible and when you're building so much internal and you're uh, and you're you know putting AI into things and you're experimenting a lot? I mean, what what do you think is at the root of their uh, sort of uh, employee strife? So I think that um, one of the, so we've talked a little bit about this mentality always day one, right? How do you reinvent? We've talked a lot about the systems that it takes to do that, right? You need technology or processes that will help you minimize execution work. This is the last important part. You need to have a system that allows ideas to cross pollinate. So you, once you have these people spending their time on idea work, they can um, take those ideas and turn them into reality and you need channels and you need to break down barriers between divisions in order to make that happen. So Amazon, Facebook in various ways do that very well. Microsoft has started to do that well after being dominated by loudmouths in the Windows era. Now it's starting to be listening a little bit more. Google is famous because there are no barriers between divisions. And the company has is a place where ideas cross-pollinate very well through a series of technology systems. But anyone can use this. I mean, one of the most interesting things is what Google's doing isn't all that revolutionary. You know, people build together in Google Slides and Google Docs and Google Sheets, yeah. right? So yeah. teams sit around and they say, okay, how do we collaborate on this? It's not any, you know, we think about technology, automation, artificial intelligence, collaboration technology, people, their heart starts to beat fast because they say, you know, I'm a small organization or I'm a marketer. You know, and, and I couldn't possibly uh, put these things into place. The truth is you can. I mean, Google's is working largely on an open drive, and that's what makes the company so collaborative. Okay, of course, they have their internal social media and whatever, but, um, you know, it's, it's not the core. The thing about having something so open is you, you put a lot of trust in your employees. And when you put a lot of trust in your employees, they start to have a voice. And when they start to have a voice, they can start to tell you, hey, these things aren't cool. Um, and that's what we've seen. We've seen protests erupt inside Google um, in a very big way when the company has acted poorly. And so Google has um, struggled a little bit about how to how to handle this. And a lot of companies out there might say, OK, I'm into the whole collaboration thing, but I don't want my employees telling me I'm doing the wrong thing. I think in Google's case and in every other company's case, having the dissent, having employees that feel a way to be uh, uh, vocal is good and should be embraced and shouldn't be a reason to shut down these systems. And I believe though Google struggled a little bit to figure out how do we get the good while mitigating the bad of these systems. It will in time say these systems are too important to our business. They allowed Google to build a very high functioning Google assistant that's better than Siri. And they had a five year, they gave Apple a five year head start on that. That's all basis of these collaboration tools and the culture, not because of the technology. So here's the thing, any leader, any company that has these tools, there's going to be a more vocal, you know, uh, uh, employee base, but it's going to make the company better for it. Uh, ultimately, they don't take the decision making power. They're just able to share their ideas with management the same way they would share their ideas for product. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Everyone's saying this is a bad thing, right? What happens to Google when people, when 20,000 people walk out of the street because walk into the street, 20,000 employees walk into the street because a executive was paid. 20, uh, $90 million, uh, you know, when he left after he was accused of sexual harassment. 
a company becomes much more reticent to give people who who have similar accusations that much money or even a severance package at all. So actually, the employee dissent people might say, oh, this is bad for Google. It makes the company stronger. So anyone who's implementing a system like this, okay, so what's the consequences? All right, well, your company might get stronger as a result. If that's not something you want, I would recommend against it. But if you do want to be a company that competes in the world we're living in, then I think that this is the way to go. Alex, where can people find out more about Always Day One and the work that you're doing in other ways? Uh, I would say, speaking of Google, if you type Always Day One into Google, you can find it on Amazon. Barnes and Noble uh, and uh, the local bookstores, Bookbound, Indiebound, and um, you know anywhere that you want to buy books. I recommend getting it from your local store. But if you don't want to walk outside and they don't do delivery, um, I, my my main goal is to have this book in your hands. So um, anywhere you can pick it up will be good. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can just type my name into Google as well. And uh, I'm very online. My contact information is pretty. Uh, pretty available. My direct messages are open on Twitter and I'd love to hear from people. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Alex, and uh, spending a little time. Hopefully we'll uh, run into you soon someday out there on the road. Thank you, John. And I, I got a chance to listen to this podcast a bunch before coming on. And I have to say, uh, it's a great, it's a great podcast and I'm looking forward to continuing to listen. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, take care. Thank you. Thank you.